Hello, Chris here from Old Dirty Brastards. If you're a big fan of this podcast, you can support it through the ACAST support feature. You can give as little or as much as you like, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the description to support now. Thank you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to podcast episode number 10. We're here today to talk about our Boxing Day release, Hideaway. Sebastian, hello. How are you? Ah, hello. Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. You're well, you're well, you're well. Marvellous. We've already done the Christmas special one, haven't we? So I don't need to wish you a Merry Christmas or anything like that. No, maybe a Happy New Year. Happy New Year, mate. Happy New Year. Uh, Did you do anything special New Year's Eve? Um, Not really, no. I was in bed bed at 10 o'clock. Wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> were you we i i got to bed by about half 11 and then the fireworks started going off oh yeah like, they did uh, wake me up but that, I, I imagine midnight yeah <laughs> seemingly right outside my, my bedroom window yeah are but, they good um, for fireworks down in rygate do they love them yeah they love it yeah they time. love it late night nice <laughs> wonderful wonderful richard turner hello hello there christopher how was your new year's eve um yeah it's good we had a rave at a rave. A kiddie rave. A kiddie rave. Yeah, oh, all, the, all the lights were switched oh. off. Oh, it's a dog. There's a, there's a dog. Sorry. Um, and, uh, That's a clue to our, one, of our, one of our panel. Yeah, I'm in a house with uh, three children at the moment. So uh, it was a kiddie rave uh, over Zoom. Oh, wow. All the lights were switched off and it was a bit neon. Nice. And it made me miss B-rave terribly. Oh, uh, one day. But it was a lot of fun. It was good. And uh, they, were still, they were all in bed by eight o'clock. And then we had some nice food and conked out before midnight. Wonderful, wonderful. It's the life we lead now, isn't it? Certainly is. What about <laughs> you? What about you? How was your... Uh, yeah, I watched some Sopranos, drank half a bottle of Prosecco, watched some Sopranos, had some steak, that was nice. Yeah, nice steak. And then, uh, yeah, went to bed at half eleven. Over we go to producer, there he is, circling his microphone. Hello, Barney, how are you? Um, all right, mate. Yeah, happy New yeah. Year. What did you? Yeah, we're happy to year to you. What do you do your New Year's Eve? Well, are you a fan of anagrams, Christopher? Sometimes, yes. You had steak. I had skate. 
He's still doing it now. He's yeah. brilliant. I'd skate. That's amazing. I think I, I think I got the last one off the boat. That's what everyone in around South East London told me. Uh, I was yes. trying to get a second one, um, and uh, and then they went. Sorry, I only got one. So I went and got it. Turned out it was massive. Didn't need a second yeah, how one. How big to skate? <sighs> a flat one, aren't they? Big enough skate. for two, I'd say. Yeah, it's big enough for two. Wonderful. Um, so that was a one of one of my mum's recipes. Hello, mum. Uh, um, like just brown butter and, and lemon juice and malt vinegar and capers and chips. Lovely stuff. And what great. happens is you immediately fall asleep after that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like a pint of butter. Um, <laughs> and so little crash. We just done all the Harry Potters. So we'd watched Harry oh, Potter. Wonderful. Did you make the chips yourself? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Um, very wonderful. revealing, actually, because there was two kind of chips in there and I didn't oh. keep track which was which, but they cook differently. Oh, uh, did you triple cook some of them? Well, no, I just, some came out, one version came out brown and soggy from the from the uh, fat and one came out like lovely and crispy and yellow. Um, so I don't know if that's... Um, <sighs> Fine. Yeah. <laughs> that just about just, it, doesn't it? Oh, happy New Year. I just, I just heard, I just heard myself. I used to talk about music and gigs. Now I just talk about chips. <laughs> soggy, soggy brown chips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll move right, on. That does something. No, it was lovely, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> what, a, what a night. Um, then we'll move on then. Uh, on, on as the arranger of, of this track. Of, of track number nine of our singles. It's Mr. David Gagan. Hello, Seabass. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Elvis. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. How was good. your New Year's Eve? It was really lovely, actually. Mm. Thank you for asking. Yes. Um, we watched, on the uh, gangster theme, we oh. watched the greatest uh, gangster film of all time, Godfather Part 2. Oh, wow. I've, I've not seen it. I've not seen it. You haven't That's, seen it? I haven't. No, I really need to. That's oh, the reaction mate. everyone After you finish The Sopranos... Yeah. Um, well, them, even, so not same. even after you finish The Sopranos, just if you fancy, you know, even more gangster action, then, yeah, man, it's it's pretty, pretty... Uh, Pretty insane, yeah. It's great. So we 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 watched that, which um, which you know, it's quite long. So it took up uh, most of the evening until we got to the fireworks, I, and then I killed uh, some time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's yeah. all we're doing these days, isn't just it? Killing time, just killing time. Yeah, until we and uh, yeah, and just uh, and ate loads of cheese. Mm. Lots of cheese. We had a little wine and cheese, little wine and cheese night. Nice. What's your best cheese? Ooh, actually, uh, we had a goat's cheese, which was really yummy. Uh, like oozy, oozy, kind of, yeah, delicious goat's cheese. And um, the Stilton was really nice as well. Yeah. Um, and it had a proper, yeah, proper cheese coma after that. <laughs> yeah. So nice. it was cool, man. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Mm. And then finally, a last member of our panel, back by popular demand from Barney Philpot. <laughs> it's the it's the MD of the whole show with his dog. It's Rick Ellsworth. Hi, Rick. Hello. Hiya. How was your New Year's Eve? What did you get up to? Uh, watched Alicia Keys and wished I was doing gigs. Oh, watched the fireworks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a funny one because 
where I now live, there is a like a town Facebook group. It's just it's it's totally different from living in London, uh, and like the most sort of like little smallest issues uh, become very big issues, as you might be able to imagine. And what with a lot of people killing time at the moment, um, just people go online and they just start an argument, and and it often um, revolves around fireworks. Uh, and it starts and New Year's Eve right it starts at 7pm it's like oh just a warning if you've got a pet which is everybody around here Mm -hmm. if you've got a dog or whatever you know uh, just lock up your dog lock up your dog because there's going to be fireworks going off tonight and then you know you're reading it and 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 it's and they're going off outside it's going bang it's like like, please stop and and people are actually live posting it on the on the group they're like please stop setting off fire bang you know like that (laughs) rick was that the same that same character though (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's the same person yeah (laughs) but anyway they're live tweeting it (laughs) work for this next big one oh that really good one (laughs) <laughs> and 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 it starts and you, and you and you go back on and now like 114 comments you know oh wow gosh so uh, that it was quite an entertaining evening watching all that yeah um, sounds riveting and yeah, now wow. and now i'm on dry january which Ooh. is blooming awful <laughs> <laughs> blooming awful oh right yeah so what do you do in the evenings now so Watch The Sopranos. I'm for it, Rick. I, I, I've been listening to a lot of Radio 4, as is my age these days. There was this lady talking on there who was saying, now is not the time for it. Now, do that. That's what Lent's for. Do You need it now. You need your booze and your cheese because it's otherwise rubbish. You don't need, you don't need booze, guys. <laughs> okay, maybe you don't need booze. But don't change your normal ways. Uh, if you want to cut some things out, do that in a few months when uh, the sun starts the to come is, out. Is that I've put on a stone and a half? Oh, there is that. Have you? Yeah. And so I was like, right, I've got to stop. No, I stop. I stop running. You know, like I just thought I'm, I'm going to have December off, and just all hell is broken. Literally, <laughs> 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 all hell is broken. I've gone from I've gone from quite lean, and obviously, like like you know. Thing is, I don't know if you guys are like this as well. I know you guys sweat a lot anyway. But... <laughs> <laughs> Under the bus. Under the bus. I know you guys sweat. Wow. Anyway, but you know when you're, when, you're, when you're gigging, yeah. like, you burn calories. Do you remember when I put my... my? Remember, Chris, a couple of years ago, I got um, an iWatch or whatever you call it, mm. a Series 1 Apple Watch. And I was like, right, I'm going to put it on a cardio workout for one of our Blue's Kitchen sets. Mm. And I burnt 1,600 calories in an hour. Bloody hell. I know. I was a costume of a man. I've been obsessed with your... I was uh... a costume of a man by the time I'd finished. But I'm not doing that anymore. All I'm doing is sat in front of the telly, like complaining about fireworks. And, yeah. Welcome to my world. (laughs) I've been quite obsessed ever since about, like drummers and how many calories they lose per gig because obviously paul mccartney's drummer is massive so i'm just like he's he, his output is obviously nowhere near his input he I'll must, what, I he must he, really he, i bet up. he eats a lot of shepherd's pie i bet he does yeah he's yeah he's, he's had a couple before a gig i reckon i don't think he's a big he's a big boy I mean, a big unit. Ever, yeah he's not he's not like a but he's not fat but he's he's just he's like he's just, Big, you know, yeah, very robust. He makes the drum kit look like a toy drum kit, doesn't he? He's like, Mm. yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, you're just saving, you're just saving career, career, your career there by being very nice about him, aren't you, Rick? That's uh, (laughs) no. (laughs) But so, when was the last time you played drum kit, Rick? 
I play the drum kit like every day, mm. but not in anger, if right. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So um, just, I, I, I mean, I found that I have to keep playing in to some degree. I mm. mean, as you all probably have to, um, just for like sanity, really, or just trying to just trying to keep my limbs sort of working and just remembering how to do it. Yeah. Um, but not, I haven't played the drums and sweated since the 2nd of October. Oh, oh blimey. Mm. When did we record these tracks? Was that that, that then? Oh no, I didn't, I didn't sweat that. <laughs> <laughs> too cold. It was too cold. Oh. <laughs> Then. Oh, oh you left some in the studio, did you? Mainly, oh. It was a rainy, horrible day, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, you had, a, you had a colossal day that day, didn't you? You recorded okay. like four or five tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's just well, very easy. No sweat. No sweat. Yeah. So. We've, talked, we've talked about this before. It's, it's easy at that yeah. place. Track one yeah. anyway, so you definitely weren't sweating yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the usual three, three take wonders. Yeah, so that's my that's my um, my approach. Is mm. my best one will probably be take two, mm. and then t- and if take two is not good, then take three. But mm. after that, forget about it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Rick's left the building by then. <laughs> right. Well, this is what we're here for, isn't it? Hideaway single, single. Well, oh, in in the sort of. The albums were the ones that we're sort of working towards. This is single number nine. But yeah, it's Hideaway, which is arranged by Mr. David Gagan. Now, this, when was, when did you, when was this first arranged, Bash? Do you remember what year you did this? It was 2016. Oh. And uh, I actually um, had a hernia. Ah, that year, right. That year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of, I think it was early summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, so I, I got a hernia, which is uh, obviously a bit of a occupational hazard for a trumpet player. Mm. Um, so yeah, I kind of had had about six weeks of just kind of managing it, really. Just kind of uh, w- w- kind of just had to be um, really careful about about what I could do. So um, wasn't really able to exert myself too much. So um, didn't do any gigs with the band because um, that would have been um, a bit too much physically. Mm. So I just did the odd, you know, little bits and bobs, kind of um, bit of orchestral stuff, just kind of sat down the line. Had to wear a, a, a hernia belt, which was pretty <laughs> sexy. I remember. Yeah, mm. do you remember? Actually, actually, the day it happened, we had a gig. Do you remember? Yeah, we were at the... Um place in old street the old we did the opening for the um old street records was it yeah, yeah. that's right that, just and I, before the gig started you were just like i think i've got a hernia yeah like, yeah it was, it was it before the gig started well yeah i, I remember yeah i mean this is really gross i uh yeah i just i got out the shower and i just noticed uh i just noticed something popping out uh you know, something that wasn't meant to be popping out. And I thought, oh, that's a bit, I was like, oh, that's a bit odd. Like, what's that? You know, I was just like, oh, but I've got a gig. And it was like really last minute. It's kind of too late to kind of get a dep or anything. So I just thought, oh, well, I'll go in there and kind of see what I could do. And yeah, I got there. Yeah, that's right. And I tried to play and it was just every time I played, it was just like really, um, really uncomfortable. Uh, not- can, I, can I ask you a question about yeah. the hernia? Yeah, because I know you you were doing a lot of gym stuff mm. at the time. 
Mm. Basically, the question is, do, do trumpet players, can they suffer from hernias? Is it a thing? Or Because I know Chris has had one, hasn't he? Chris Scotter has had one. Cotter, yes, yeah. Cotter yeah. Had one, yeah. Yeah, we know a few people that have had them. Yeah, not just trumpet players either. Just, yeah. I think it is quite a common occurrence for a brass player to get them. Yeah. My personal situation was that uh, when I went to see the specialist, um, this is great, isn't it? This is great material. Podcast. Fine. Um, right. hernia, hernia chat. We are just um, human after all. That's what <laughs> I need to realise. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, I quit booze uh, in 2016. Uh, stopped drinking alcohol and went on a bit of a health kick. And so, yeah, I'd been working out quite a lot. So I thought it was probably that. I thought maybe I'd done something in the gym. But when I went to see the specialist, it was, he he said, actually, I've got, I had an appendicitis when I was like eight or nine. Mm. And uh, obviously, like, that's quite a long time ago now. And, um, you know, medical science isn't, uh, wasn't what it is now. So, so I've got quite a big scar and, and kind of obviously, the specialist thought that maybe they'd done some kind of damage like internally around the groin. So he thinks that maybe they'd, they'd weakened the, the, the muscle wall there. And then maybe, yeah, just and then I started playing the trumpet when I was nine. So like just years and years of playing the trumpet. And then maybe, yeah, just kind of overexerted myself down the gym as well. It, it was probably kind of, uh, it, was, it, was, it was probably numerous things combined, you know. So mm. anyway, so that happened. <laughs> so um then there was about six weeks of just getting by really just kind of just um just doing odds and sods and then i had the operation and the nhs were amazing actually you know it kind of it was re- super quick you know like six weeks later I had the operation and um that meant that i wasn't actually allowed to do anything for six weeks uh, which was pretty good practice for um, now, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dress rehearsal, yeah. It has been quite helpful in a way to prepare myself for this. Um, just to kind of, yeah, just because there are similarities. So, um, yeah, so I just, I wasn't, as soon as I was kind of fit enough to get out of bed and start moving around, I, um, all, all I was doing every day, it was, it was the summer and it was beautiful sunshine. And I just, I was just going up to, uh, Blythill Fields every day, kind of sunbathing, um, reading and stuff. And then when that lump popped in, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all sewn up at this point. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It, 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 it's large, it's ugly, but it's got a lovely bronze finish. <laughs> That's his hernia, everyone. I know. And and you're on Blythe Hill Fields arranging. Yes. (laughs) Blythe Hill Fields is very much the hernia of South East London. No, I thought it was Hernia Hill. Hernia Hill. Let's just stop now. Let's just end on that note. Yeah, I was just, I was just, I was just kind of, again, just killing time. Just kind of thought I was missing playing, and um, obviously, like you know, kind of seeing you guys and not being able to do any gigs and stuff. So I think I was just like looking for ways to still kind of be involved, and so I, I thought, right, well, I can do some arranging because I'd not really done any up until that point. I think I'd maybe done one arrangement. We did like an 80s show at Butlins. Do you remember oh, that, yeah. Chris? Yeah, uh, and yeah, and yeah. I, I did a, my, fir- my first, so my first arrangement was Erasure. Um, 
little respect, which I think we played once and then binned um, <laughs> because it was because it was probably shit. Um, and um, yeah, and then so yeah, I thought right, okay, so let's uh, I'll do some arranging in the evenings because I needed something to occupy my mind because I was sun's gone in. I was yeah, the sun's gone down. <laughs> the hernia's come out again. <laughs> No, touch wood, the hernia has not come out again since. So, um, no, they actually, they actually put like a an aesthetic, uh, a prosthetic. Um, every mesh. time, every mesh. time he gets slightly into arranging, he goes back to. I'll just say about the, the bandage. Actually, uh, <laughs> is there is there anything that you can't can't do now? You've you've like no, I am like the bionic man. I'm there's nothing I can't do. Uh, <laughs> can you not like like that you know would that, would that pop it out or something <laughs> no because I've got this I've got this like mesh inside me so it the, the, it it won't pop out again it's and that's over his entire body yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel like Wolverine Wolverine yeah. Wolverine yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. So uh, by day I was sunbathing on Blythefield Fields, and by night I was arranging for ODB. So mm. yeah. So there we go. So I, I had a little list, some notes on my phone of like some tunes that I wanted to arrange, as well as Hideaway. I also did Breathe, Blue Cantrell. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool on that. yeah, yeah. Uh, which like uh, which samples um, Dr. Dre. Mm. Uh, what's the difference from 2001 album? I think my thinking was with these two tunes that I think at the time the band, we were doing quite a lot of weddings. Mm. So, you know, that we were doing a lot of kind of Britney's and Whitney's and, and, and stuff like that, which is great, obviously, um, definitely a time and a place for all that. But, um, yeah, I just felt that maybe we could kind of just expand the repertoire slightly, you know, in terms of kind of what kind of, pop music we were playing mm. i think this is kind of before we started doing the kind of indie albums and stuff like that you know so i thought yeah so i kind of thought well it'd be nice to kind of do something a bit different so yeah it's great yeah it's got lots of lovely interweaving riffy passages so i really mm. like about it like you know all these ones that we do you know they're all such great arrangements so something that we all really like playing in them um as you know as as are, as are most of our arrangements these days is something that we like about all of them um mm. but yeah it's just like all the riffs and everything like that and a lot especially like as well as rick i don't know how much rick the drum part right how much of that do you stick to what is written and how much have you sort of taken on yourself because i know there's certain bits when i'm playing a certain riff that's sort of like I think over the years that you've just started to link in with what we're doing and every bit I sort of play is sort of, it's, it's, it goes in with a, a sort of, I can't remember if it's a bass drum hit or something is with what you play. And it's just like, ah, oh, he's really just slotted that in there. And it just feels really nice to feel the thud of the drums on every sort of note that I play. So I just wondered how much you sort of added or taken away or just altered slightly. Well, pretty much for the first year of playing it, I changed it every single time. And Basically, I, I was just relying on on Dave. Basically, like going, right, do you like that, Dave? And, he, and, he, and he'd be like, nah, I don't like it. <laughs> and, and, that, and that is pretty much how we sort of put it together. There's a there's an epic version of this on the internet for Sofa Sounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's epic. Mm. And we spent like the afternoon in um, the, uh, the joint, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. No, they've gone, haven't um, they? Which is... Terrible. And we were rehearsing it and trialing it, and I was doing all sorts of different things. And basically, 
Dave, Dave's just like, yeah, can you put that here? Can you put that there? Can you try this? Can you try that? And we just fiddled around with it for ages. And and that that's the beauty of playing it over and over again, is that it, it we, we just sort of fiddled with it until it is what it now is. And mm. you're all very, very complimentary about me, like recording things very, very quickly and whatnot. But we we played it so much is that it, it's muscle memory, isn't it? You know, it's, it's so easy to to put down. I was, uh, I was at your drum session, actually, Rick. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, it was uh, it, it it was actually the only time of anything I've I've sort of been at with you where you've been recording where you did actually give a few versions that really did actually differ. Do you recall this? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like um, play it sort of straight down the middle off the page. Well, it was off the page, you know, in verticons. Um, and then, and then one a bit more crazy, and one, and then one, and then one kind of like throwing your all, all your ideas at it that you would put if you were if you were on a gig. Yeah, and um, I think that's basically the one we went with. But then we did we did actually comp it with a couple of parts of other ones where you might have done something a bit more interesting with like offbeat rides or something like that. Yeah, because usually you do just do the same thing three times and we go with the best one and, and that's that. But this, you actually did offer some variations in intensity. I'd, I'd call it, they weren't different in style or, in, or groove or anything like that, but, but that, like if they were different in groove, we wouldn't be able to comp them, but you offered different intensities and different levels of built of growing them through the tune. And then we did comp. Well, you see the, the arranger in question has quite a keen ear and I wanted to give him all of the options. You see. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's really evolved though, hasn't it? I mean, like, yeah. it's like, it's like four and a half years ago now. So I think what, like, when I first did it, I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, I remember I, c- I came to you a couple of times, then I said, and we went through it and I ran it past Danier and, um, I just remember, I think, you know, because at the time, I don't think we were rehearsing that much either. So it's not like now where we would kind of get together and have like a, and kind just of fix work, it in a day. Workshop it. In one yeah. Afternoon, yeah. I re- yeah. Yeah. So I remember, I remember doing it on a Shoreditch gig and um, it just didn't work. I, I, kind of, I think it was like a kind of practical thing with the trombone, with the, with the, the riff. It was just, I think, I think you text me, Barney, and was just like, I'm playing continuously for 600 bars or something. You, know? <laughs> like you need that. to yeah, put some yeah. rests in it. You know, it's just like things like that. Just, and, and just like uh, having the bass trombone and the tuba kind of in the same octave or, or uh, an octave apart or playing, you know, in unison, little things like that. Just, it just took a while, it took a while to kind of, fine tune it because we were doing it we'd play it on a gig and then i'd have to go away and tweak it and then i bring it back and it was like oh it's still not quite right and then so i think there was about nine or ten revisions yeah i remember <laughs> one revision though that was like really specifically it just it just rang out as like oh oh this this is this is so good now this yeah. is like and i think uh i maybe couldn't imagine it i i blamed the the tune in my head prior to that thinking maybe this just can't get there. Maybe this isn't just one for us. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like something clicked where you um, sort of shared out the parts a bit more manageably between us all. Mm. But suddenly it wasn't just this like physical assault on our faces anymore. Mm. And it, and it, and it just clicked. It was like, and then, and then it just hasn't left the set since. No. Whereas before that, it was probably fighting to stay in because so many of us were like so angry about being in pain after each performance of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you did one thing, one, there's one particular revision you did and it was just like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Do you remember, I think we, 
we did, we once did it in the Bussy building. We had everyone like sat down <laughs> on the floor. Do you remember? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone. Sat Before down. the drop. Yeah, Chris is at the front. He's like. It's usually Barney that starts that off. Yeah, I, I nick that off. Uh, I think I just I just been touring recently that month or something with like Bastille, and that's something they do in uh, what's the tune, Seb? Rhythm. Oh, they do a mashup, a rhythm of the oh, night, of rhythm the night. as a dancer, and it's called of the night. It's a mashup of rhythm of the night and rhythm as a dancer, and um, and it, and we've done it at some festivals and stuff or whatever, and and like he literally managed to get thousands of people on the floor. And then just to like leap up at this moment of the drop, and uh, and it's so it's so powerful. Like it's just uh, even whether you're in the crowd or you're in front of the crowd or whatever, it's just great. It like kind of joins the room together as one. And um, I think it's just a really useful thing in a gig to like get them engaged and on your side. If they might have zoned out because you know we just played a razor or something, and um, <laughs> we sort of <laughs> and then we sort of you know in the busted building, you sort of go right. I get just get down and the first three rows no, notice and start doing it and it can take a while but you do it you do it early enough gradually this sort of like getting onto the floor spreads to the back of the room and these are not massive rooms we're playing it's it's, it's no uh you know it's no kind of like nothing on the scale of like what Bastille were doing or whatever but like it everyone does end up getting down on the floor and then there's almost like a fake drop that people always think mm. is the drop so I, I keep having to just stand up like a teacher at the front going don't you dare stand up <laughs> down you and Chris I remember what, looking over no, no, at one no. point no. Chris does a more seductive like uh 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 <laughs> not yet I'm, I'm like if I, I see you, if, I, if I see one of you stand up we'll get you with a slipper Get back down, you bastards. Yeah. And then eventually when it does happen, like we've had a couple of times when it has just been like euphoric mm. and many times where it hasn't quite worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, it's amazing when it does work. And like, you know, if we're on a corporate, probably not going to bother. No, exactly. And some weddings as well, you know, it's like, it's not appropriate. D- yeah, because well, granny won't get back up again. <laughs> she won't recover from the drop. But yeah, I just for those club nights, let's like say busty building and, and stuff like that, um, and and kind of you know kind of student uh, freshers parties and stuff like that, you, you know, the, it goes it always goes down really well. So, but what you've got, what I think the build up to the drop, where you've got with like the, the all the the way you've set all the instruments and the way they're all playing off each other, you've really got that nice sort of like the way they do it in dance music, they get that sort of dissonance to start kicking in, don't they? Like, nah, 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 nah. and then, you know, and then, then when the drop does come in, you know, you've just arranged it so wonderfully that it just does everything that a normal dance track does, but probably louder because we're just absolutely giving it one as well. So I think, you know, you just, yeah, just having that, it's when people do those sorts of things, but with different instruments, that's what I really like when they sort of manage to take something that you hear so often, and then do it on completely different instruments, but still make it have the same impact or better, you know. So I think, yeah, that drop bit is just It's, it's like a contemporary version of, um, like, a bark growl with, like, a oh. suspension and resolution. Mm-hmm. And and we like, there's this, like, eight bars of, like, this suspension, which is just dissonance. It's like, ah, ah, ah! And then it's like, and then release. And then it's like, Oh, and then it's yeah, yeah, it sort of resolves and, and everyone jumps up and we get there. See bass it, with his quill. <laughs> everyone going madder on the harpsichord. Yeah. That wearing Make curls it. in my hair as well. Yeah. JS JS Bass. Yeah. 
you. Thank you. You can go now, Rick. We're done. Yeah. It fits. It, it's a very good one to have in the set just to really pick things up. Yeah, it's good. It's a good little livener, isn't it? We normally kind of play it kind of like three quarters of the way through the second set, you know, so, mm. and then just power through to the end then. I just, I heard it in my head. I was, it was 2014. So it was a couple of years before I arranged it. I really liked the tune. A lot of my kind of girl mates as well were, were really into it. So I thought, oh, this is, I think I could just, I could just hear it. You know, when you listen to a tune and you're like, oh, I need to arrange this for the band. Like this would just, this would just be perfect. So, um, but yeah, I didn't really do too much with it, to be honest. I've got a question for you about the arrangement bass. Yo, so shoot. In terms, in terms of like when the band decided to, you know, record that, did you sort of change something then from the live version to the, uh, the recording? I think you may have added some little bits, did you? I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Because um, sort of, it sort of highlights the sort of different processes, doesn't it, between arranging something for a live band, the live set, and then it's kind of a different different art form isn't it really in the studio so yeah can you talk a bit about what what you decided to like add to it yeah it's a really good point actually um yeah i mean i was really really excited when when you guys said you wanted to record it because i just I, I i think i'd always thought that it would probably sound better a studio version anyway just because i think barney will probably want to talk in more detail about this the production side of things but it just it just means that um you know we're not as limited to what we can do so obviously you know when we play live we've we've only got a certain amount of of uh of players and and lines that you can play and so so initially there was a few little uh extra trumpet lines that i wanted to add in uh particularly at the drop actually um the very final section um because i've never really been completely happy with that i don't think when we play it live it's just not quite worked and also i just kind of wanted to um experiment with different timbres and stuff so uh when we play live we don't really ever use mutes unless we've got lots of bars rest to uh kind of change our you know um, move our microphone and put the mute in and you know it's quite um it's it's not very good like kind of practically to do that. So we we often use the odd little bit of harmon mute and stuff, but like cut mutes and and straight mutes and things like that we don't normally use. So I wanted to kind of just introduce some like new colours and things like that. So kind of played around with that and then kind of just told Barney just to express himself on the on the production front really because you could you could really kind of bring out certain things that we can't do live basically. Yeah. Well I mean obviously when I first listened to it I pop the headphones on. I'm not sure why. Sometimes I just listen on the phone for a quick sort of like, ooh. Oh, quick bloody hell, Chris. Oh, no, just to give it a check. <laughs> but then, yeah, I just pop, I, was, I think I was, in the, I, was, I was by my desk and I sort of pop the, pop the good headphones on, the old Sennheisers. And then, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like what you'd done, I just noticed all the panning effects that you'd done. And I was just like, obviously there's something going on over the left shoulder or whatever it was, something over here. And then it sort of grew and then the track felt like it was in the middle of my head. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, this is different to anything we've done so far. I'm sure you've had a good build-up to it and been doing other little tricks and things here and there. But this one was just like, oh, nice. Like, you know, people have to give this a listen with their headphones on. Just get that on and have a listen and, like, experience what you've done. Because it was was really cool. Um, So was that something you always wanted to do with it? Was that something as soon as we sort of agreed on Hideaway, you thought, right, I'm going to do this? Or were you just sort of in a bit of a 
experimental mood one day and thought, I know, let's get the panning going here and there. No, I had, I had, I had sort of clear direction with it. Actually, Um, Mm. I knew I had to be taking massive influence from the electronic dance music genre. Did some listening on that, and (laughs) much to my shame, like for the first time ever, properly like listened to the original. (laughs) 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 Like realistically, yeah, realistically, that and like heard all the things that were going on. It was nothing. It was nothing crazy. It was just some decisions with with EQ and, and panning and the thing is with Hideaway is by the end of it there's about five different things happening at the same time and so immediately by by Bass doing some things like adding mutes or whatever that at least separates those things off to make them more hmm. audible in terms of timbre and stuff so that helps but then there's you kind of have to identify the sections of the tune and then place them in the places where they need to go so they stay out of other people's way and stuff like that. So what ended up happening was I basically put Dickie on, on the tuba and and Daniel on bass trombone. They're centrally panned, but they're, I, I put them behind your head. I mm. put them 180, I turn them around 180 degrees so they, they, they are directionally behind your head and at the back of the mix as like a bed. And that way, they're very much present, but they are they are not at the for they're at their own forefront if you yeah and i guess if you think of this track as like a 360 degree track it i needed that many degrees to place all the parts because there are so many parts going on and so yeah behind you is that is that bed and then you have tunes which which come out at the front and they're central but they're spread as well so they like really ring out above everything else but then all these interior parts whether it's fluttering trumpets or or a really sort of fast uh, like or whatever like they needed to sit at their own extreme pannings and oh blah 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 yeah I'm kind of rabbiting on a little bit but like that was that was all that was panning wise but it wasn't enough still and so that was when I sort of then based on like the kind of listening I've been doing with uh, EDM electronic dance music I knew I had to be doing some different things with EQ because it wasn't going to be enough to just pan things. You need to be able to bring things out in different ways and using automation then as well with the drop as well. Well, the build up to the drop, sorry. Um, you know, live, we can't do that. Like, I guess we could if we had like our own sound engineer, they could they could put like a high cut on us at, at that point and gradually reintroduce more and more treble as it, as it gets to the, the drop. But like... Um, yeah, I I did that, and then and then I actually like did some editing of the drums, like that we need live, but we don't need in this. It was more powerful to remove Rick entirely, take out. He was just doing kick drum at this point, just mm. keeping us in time. This is when we first drop out, but it kind of made the glory of getting to the drop less impressive if you've come from a kick drum. If you take the kick drum out, you come from like just nothing going on. So so um so yeah, I cut that out, and then. Um, uh, it just becomes about these these kind of battling trumpets that are like panned hard left and right and massive echo on them because because that you're sort of passing phrases to each other aren't you Bass when you've written that it's like mm. whatever you do want it to seem like two players because it's quite cool to have the battle going on but so there's not like any sort of drop in intensity when one stops and the other starts or anything like that but echo bang it it's bang in time the whole time it's like it's happening during the notes that they're already playing these semi quavers 
but you don't notice it until they stop. And then these semi-quavers sort of hang over a bit and blend into the next person who come in. And so there's this just constant shifting of, of semi-quavers. And then, I, I don't know, I definitely approach this one way less like recreating our live experience whatsoever. So like mm-hmm. then for, for various reasons and stuff, we, we ended up having like e- extra takes from people of, of the same part and stuff. So I had, I had, um, Seabast on a couple of Kai's bits. And, and so, so then I had the option of like using both of those, shoving them at extreme ends of your panning or whatever, and using those to like boost things up a bit. And then like Seb, there's this bit where she goes, and like that is written across about three or four different people's parts. But like, ultimately like the one that Seabast liked was the one Seb had recorded, which was like, he was using his third trumpet slide as a trombone slide (laughs) and it was like that was bass was like that's the one i like so at that point you have to kind of go well this already is not what we do live so Mm. no uh, there's no no point go going here's four of seb's doing and then here's four of another trumpeter's ones that aren't quite the same so so yeah like even if it's just rhythmically slightly like doing or doing or whatever like it's going to jar that it's not the same. So I made a few decisions there of like, whenever we get the, ha, that's, that's always going to be Seb. But I, I put some automation where that's just panning around your head like the whole time. Like, so it's, it happens in different parts of your, uh, your, your ears. I, I had so much fun doing it. And I think part of that was that it wasn't, it wasn't mine. I wasn't bored of it yet. It was like brand new and this like brand new playground to like, um, have a go in. And I definitely could not have done it without having done the previous sort of work on, on our tracks earlier in the year. Like that was kind of much more basic compared to this. So I sort of felt kind of confident going into it, but also like it was, it was a step up. I had to like do some things I'd never done before in terms of making it like EDM and stuff. Uh, but like, it was just so fun and, and it was great to kind of lose the shackles of, oh, but that's, uh, that's so-and-so's part there. So that needs to be, it's like, no, 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 just put the best versions of things in certain places. And, you know, everyone's on there all over it, but like, it's not necessarily the way it would sound live at all. Mm, no, <laughs> I think going back to what you were saying, uh, Dickie, about um, doing things differently on the, in the studio version as we do live. I mean, that's a prime example on the, that's the chorus, you know, and the chorus is just oohs and ahs. And I've never really been happy with it when we do it live because I've just written that line on one part as da 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 So I've kind of written the echo mm. into the part, mm. but it doesn't really work, you know. So I, I, I kind of got into yeah. the studio with Barney, and Barney, I, I, I'd written. So I wanted to what I'd written for the studio version was that. Seb plays the initial ooh, and then one of the other trumpet players plays the echo with a cut meeting. Um, but actually, when I got into the studio, Barney was like, well, Seb's kind of given me a few different options. And he played me the one where, Seb, you'd played uh, a note on your the third valve, so you'd use alternative fingering with the, with the slide to give it this amazing guy. As soon as Barney played it to me, I was like, that's the one, that's what I want. And then we put some echo on that, didn't we, Barn? Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what I love about uh, your approach with this bass is that, like, I can't remember if it's this episode or the, the last episode we recorded. We talked about, like, checking your ego at the door or whatever. You did, you do that really well because 
you weren't like, well, I want to play that note as well. Or anything. You were like, no, that, mm. have that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> just have that. That's great. And it's so cool because it gave me the license to just, to make that decision as well and, and to not mm. worry about people's feelings of like not being in the places they expect to be or whatever. Like, no. yeah, as I say, everyone's all over it. Looking after the overall package, isn't it? That's we, it. Is what we were saying, sort of uh, just getting the best sort of finished product and forgetting about little little things here here and there and yeah sure that- yeah and also just being in the moment and being able to adapt with adapt to whatever's going on you know like kind of we've all like rick's made suggestions with the drum part and you know we've all seb and came up with the idea for the chorus and you know if we actually if we actually played exactly what i'd written down on the page it wouldn't sound anything like it sounds now but because we've kind of collaborated on it and we've all had like little you know it's definitely had ideas. a journey this this arrangement yeah, it's like it's yeah, existed yeah, very, very amongst us so. and it's developed really organically and got to this yeah. place where it was so great live but like that still isn't uh achieving its full potential as no. like in the studio so then you can go <laughs> even one step further and i remember barney when you played it um you played it you were so excited to play it to me um, oh yeah, that wasn't even a, an official uh, edit yet. Was like, oh, was I've, got, I've got to play this. I've got to play this, mate. I've got to play this. <laughs> I was like, mate, I've what got is that impression? He was, I just... <laughs> he was, he was, he was, um, he was doing some filming for me, and he, and I was trying to. Um, I had so much percussion in this room. I was trying to sort all that out. And he was like, oh mate, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got to play this. I was like, oh, go on then. Um, and he, he played it on his phone to me and literally it, it was lit- it nearly broke the phone. It was that good. Oh. <laughs> it was, it was great. I was, like, I was like, bloody hell. It didn't even have, at that point, it didn't even have the high cut automation on it for the drop, for the breakdown yet, which for me is what makes the song. At that, that point, it was just, ask, is yeah. That, is that the effect where, for me, it sort of represents you're in a club and then you go you go into the toilet and yeah, yeah. is, that what, is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah, totally. You, you go, you go into the toilet and everything get becomes a bit muffled. Yeah. And then you, and then you come back out for the drop and then you open the door. Again yeah. Or I sort of think of it as mix. like being underwater or something like that. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's taking all the clarity out of it and then gradually in automation, gradually bringing that up throughout the, I said, probably like a 32 bar build up, something along those lines. Mm. And it just gets wilder and wilder. I remember the word you used, Rick, when you heard that, you were like, that is is my impression now. That is the most bombastic <laughs> thing we've ever recorded. <laughs> and, uh, I thought, I thought, is, that, I thought, is that really your impression of me? <laughs> no, I hand it up because you made me sound like Gollum. Let me play it somewhere. I've five. No, but you were like, what's it called? The other one, then the way where it goes. Well, that'll be, that'll be, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, is, that, right. is that your impression of me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how you talk. <laughs> that'll be, well, that's low cut. Mm, sure. Oh, it's yeah, low cut. Low yeah, cut. it's low cut. Love a, love um, a bit so of low you did, cut. You did a high cut on your one, not a low cut. I did a high cut, which is like, um, the, the influence here for me on this very clearly was uh, like call on, oh no, 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 it was opposite to call on me. Because call on me is like what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, man. This is... And then it's like, and it's back. There's yeah. no end to that man's talents. He can do everything, <laughs> can Barney Philpot. 
absolutely yeah. everything. And he's just added <laughs> impressions to that list. Yeah. <laughs> if if Barney um, Philpot said to me, oh, mate, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics next summer, <laughs> I'd believe him. What would you be doing there, Rick? Uh, figure skating. I'd believe him. He can do that many things. He has so many. Barney and Anna will be the new Torval and Dean. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's very nice of you, Rick. I, li- I like to hope that I'm not a, like a jack of all trades. I know I try and add new things to my bow every so often, but like I worry that people just think, oh, he. He tries to have his, he's just all fine. Well, I think it's archery f- was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the uh, the, the loss the loss of uh, the the guy's eye was a was a sad. We'll, we'll see how the figure skating comes out anyway. Yeah. Oh, he'd be good. He'd be he'd be a, he'd be dainty, wouldn't he? Around um, the do you know? Oh, do you know where yeah. I I probably could have got to a good level, but I quit because I uh, 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 had music going on at that age. Was I did like to do high diving. Oh, and then. Um, and I had, the, I had the young body for it. I was, I was very much like that build. Who told you that? Oh, mother! Okay. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> I thought you were going to say fencing. Oh no, I was never good at that. I, but I tell you what, when the when the internet first came round, um, the only the only search result for my name when the internet first came round in two thousand. Well, it's like when I sort of like searched my name for the first time in 2000 now I do it every day 10 times an hour um and um you was the only yourself in 2000 <laughs> no. yeah because it was like first uh, it class of year seven and everyone i think it was like google yourself it, that was a challenge like that was the task <laughs> set so we google ourselves and google obviously yourself. like basically nothing comes up on the intranet or whatever they call it. um but the, uh, this one thing came up it was like Essex fencing championships and I was like, oh, yeah, I did that thing like a year ago. Um, and I looked at it and uh, the, it was the only thing about me on the internet. And it was uh, 32 placings. Number 32. <laughs> <laughs> I was last. This is, uh, this, is, this is good content, this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was never good enough at that. But I, I was quite good at the diving. I was like doing like, uh, yeah, all sorts of flips and whatever uh, off of like the higher boards. But um, I just, uh, back then I couldn't be asked with sport. Just couldn't be asked, and uh, you know, it's doing music as well, so you can't you can't do it all, can you? You, you cannot. You cannot. But I would have liked oh. that. Would be well, that would be my choice in Olympics. I think. Yeah. Get the little speedos on. Get up the board. Yeah, that's it. Let's yeah. go around. I'll tell you so. what. After this Christmas, I'll be creating quite a splash. <laughs> Get a bit of Bolero on, mate. Get you around that ring. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, oh, we were talking about. We, we were talking about the 2012 Olympics um, last night, weren't we? And I just like, yeah. you know, think we were talking about the good feeling of everything. And I remember watching, it was the day that Mo Farah obviously got his second gold, I think it was. And we were in the Hyde Park watching place, you know, where they had all the big screens for it and everything. Super Saturday. Super Saturday. I think yeah. so, yeah. Kelly um, Holmes as well. Yeah. There. Kelly Holmes? Kelly Holmes? Nah, she's no? a bit before. Uh, Jess Ennis? Linford Christie? Zola Bud. WG Grace. Bath, Bath, didn't, Bath Kelly, didn't Kelly. Oh, I got the wrong name. She was, Kelly, uh, she was, she was a few years. She was at like start of the. Kelly Holmes is like 2004. Was she? Oh, yeah. oh, oh come on. Who's oh, this now? Who's right. this? Kelly Holmes. It was not me. It's Sepco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Hang on a sec. <laughs> we'll keep this in. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I remember watching um, after the Mo Farah's race, where everyone went nuts, and then it started to get dark. And I just remember thinking to myself, we are in Hyde Park, in the dark, watching Tom Daly doing synchronised diving, drinking beer, like all these men getting so excited about this just guy and his speedos jumping off a diving that guy, board. That guy. I'm just like, I love that guy. I mean, it's amazing, but you're just kind of like, what? this is how the Olympics have taken us. We're so happy that we just watched this in Hyde Park. What's going on here? Thank you for calling. <laughs> who's, who's that, Seb? Is that Kaiser saying the arrangement shit? Yeah. <laughs> Kaiser? Yeah. Kesha, the Kesha. Oh, this is the thing. This is the only artist Uh-oh. we cover. We don't know Uh-oh. how to say her name. Kesha, Kesha, isn't it? Kaiser, Kaiser, Kaiser. Kesha was Kesha's a different artist. Yeah, but um, Kaiser, blimey, Kaiser. I'm, I'm surprised she hasn't mm. said anything on social media about the arrangement. Just because when I remember, no, but I remember tagging. I remember tagging the band at BST Hyde Park and tagging Hideaway and tagged her and she she like reposted it on Instagram. Oh I think she's um she's she's commented a couple of times before, hasn't she? I think she tweeted about that so far um mm. gig that she yeah. she really she really enjoyed it and she's yeah, so it's that that's obviously nice. She's probably like, oh not those guys again. Jeez. Yeah exactly. Flogging this hideaway again. Oh she she might notice it eventually but it's uh I guess we don't need to ham it hammer it down these artists' throats. Got a new, she's got a new album out with, uh, is it Dead Mouse? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dead Mouse 5. Dead Mouse 5, mate. Dead Mouse 5, that's it. Yeah, Dead Mouse 5. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's still going. Is he a guy with a big mouse on his head? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing some stuff with him, I think. No, he's working at Disneyland now. <laughs> <laughs> Not many Disneyland. Yeah, Disneyland, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh Barney can I ask about this um, high pass thing do you how do you do that do you put it on the whole track or do you just put it on certain elements oh yeah um, no well the thing is is obviously every instrument has its own properties in terms of EQ and so if you applied uh, the the automation to the whole track in one go uh, you would for example you would get like a high shaker through only like the very last moment, which is not necessarily what you want. So you have to, yeah, give, give the automation to individual tracks based on their own properties and stuff. So um, I actually wanted shaker to be kind of present from, from the off in that, um, uh, in that initial breakdown, they have different levels of automation gradually coming up on, on the high cut on different instruments. But the main one was you want that swampy, he would love me describing his sounds of this, but it's a swampy tuba sound <laughs> initially that's just like, yeah, you're in the bogs. Uh, the Johnny machine's empty. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and, and, okay, I'm not going to do another impression. So that's going on. And then, and then putting high cut EQ on a tuba very quickly becomes irrelevant because the tuba is existing so much down the lower end of EQ. So, uh, you you bring that up and after a certain point, there's no more you can bring up that like it's, it's there in full. So you're only like automating it up to like about halfway along. I experimented with not having everything involved in, in that high cut initially. Uh, but it just sounded weird. Things sounded too present. Turn out everything needed it a little bit 
and to grow and grow and become more and more present. And then um, in my head, when we've played this live, I've just always imagined like sort of like, like these like horns and stuff. And like, I just imagine like, I can't see, I'm really busy playing my riff where I can't really breathe anywhere very easily. And like Bass is behind me with a megaphone, just pressing buttons and stuff. Cause that's what he's done in, in, in various shows of ours. I'm like, he's there pressing horns. And so I was like, I'm going to get horns in this. And... <laughs> oh, the ice cream van's here. And um, yeah, so then I'd recorded percussion from Eddie, which is kind of the, the, the foundation percussion, I guess you'd call it. And then, uh, you know, he, he had hired loads of his stuff out to other people during lockdown. So it was like, um, if you need anything else, um, kind of go go back to James for it, um, who we used on some of our previous tracks and where we record the drums. And so um, I was like, yeah, well, I don't know, having not really spoken to you about it yet, Bass, I was like, I don't know what this is going to need. It will become apparent. And of course it, it becomes apparent, like this is kind of similar to It Wasn't Me. Like this is carnival. This is just getting wilder and wilder. This needs timbales. Um, those, those things that, those things that just make it like an absolute sort of riot in bussy building or something. And it's, um, uh, just, just whacking stuff, bottles, glass bottles and timbales and, and, um, whistles like, you know, imagine, uh, like a drum line or something like playing this. And so then, by by the end of it, when it comes back in for the drop, it's just all guns blazing, you know, like big drum machine uh, claps with massive reverb on it. Claps that have like a f- sort of three or four second tail off. You did an impression of that? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, um, nice. So there's that. And then also the drums themselves, I had to sort of think differently because this track is nothing like let's say uh, uh riot van you know or something else I've, I've done it it's a dance track and i didn't want the drums to sound too like i guess roomy or indie like an indie kit or whatever like i know that's our live sound but i was like i really wanted to like use this opportunity to like make this like this could literally be on in like manumission bro so mm. i actually took the snare and the kick and pretty much muted them, but use the signals to uh, trigger samples. I think kick in is still in, but my kick out is gone and replaced with like a, like a, like a drum and bass sample kick. So it's more like whatever. And there's a couple, there's a couple of different samples that are blended together and they become this like solid kick drum. And then the snare, like, uh, you know, you, sort of American boy shows it a bit more organically, like how it's supposed to sound that, that from that drum session. But on this, it was just like, I wanted to just have this fizz and, and to be more digital. Um, and so it, it's like, it's almost like you're playing more like, um, an SPDX Rick in this, but yeah, but like also mixed with like these really live, exciting ride symbols and stuff. And it's definitely still us, but like, it's just that, that sound that taps into, uh, kind of EDM sound, which isn't even what she's doing. She's not even doing EDM, but I wanted it to be like that. I'm trying to think the example I'm, I was trying to think of um, in terms of high cut, when that happens, when does that happen, guys? 
What on the like in in other tunes like ah. um where like all the all the trebles gone out of it and you're like it's like what about around the world around the yeah is that the other way around is that the other way around and basically I think both were, I did consider either way that like mm. at the breakdown you could take all the bass out and like mm. have it gradually coming in and then and then you drop and it, everything's back in. But it just seemed to, I don't know, I just, I just really liked it. Oh, I love what you've done with it, Barney. I've, I think, I think with this one, as the producer, you've just, you've really, you've had a lot more kind of creative stuff to add, haven't you? Than I think normally maybe we try and recreate what we sound like live. Mm. Whereas on this one, you just got to kind of think a lot more outside the box, didn't you? Um, oh, I, lo- I loved it and I appreciated the sort of freedom you gave me with it. And because uh, we had a brief chat, didn't we, when I was in there, and we, well, I, I had a couple of ideas, but you just ran with it and just—I don't think I had any anything to say when you sent it through. It was, was amazing. Like you that. rang me. I was sat on a brief uh, foray back into the real world of uh, the West End. The West End was open for about five days, and I just had a COVID test shoved up my nose, and uh, and I was. I was uh, I was clean, clean and negative, and uh, and so and I and I had I haven't been into town properly for so many months. So I treated myself to a nice um, sit down Chinese at Wonky Cafe, and um, and then you called me, and I lost my appetite immediately. I was like, oh god, oh god, you're gonna hate it. <laughs> oh, no. You're gonna hate what? it. I was like, oh god, and uh, my food had just come, and um, and uh, and I answered it and. Uh, tentatively and uh, you like you liked it unlike my test it was positive <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved it yeah. can we also can we just personally can I just give a massive shout out to James Null because um, like I think with the, the the version you sent me Barn um, James hadn't put any kind of extra percussion on there oh yeah he didn't hadn't put timbales on yet no we were quite keen on the timbales weren't yeah. we and um yeah, and anyway, thank you so much, James, if you're listening, because what, what he's done on that last section has just really lifted it. Um, like glass bottles, extra whistles, um, all kinds of, you know, literally the kitchen sink, and it sounds it sounds mega. So thank you, James. There's a tune by uh, a German Euro pop band called Bellini. It was The Sound of the Summer in 1997 oh. and it's called Samba de Janeiro oh yeah 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 nice. and uh, and basically we used to play an arrangement with my old youth band and it goes oh yeah and yeah so I used to play that when I was like 13 14 with my youth band and and that's actually that kind of I just had that in I had that kind of sound in my in my head and and um james putting those extra bits of percussion on there has just he just nailed it it's just, mm. yeah it's exactly what i wanted yeah, actually the other point of reference uh which i think we established i think when seb was round uh and we were we were trying things out we were trying things out like the like the echo um and different reverbs and things like that um and i tend i tend not to record with any plugins going on um, when people are here, because uh, I don't really believe my computer is strong enough to be able to process all that in one go without it corrupting some of the, the takes. So I tend to just go raw for as long as I can. But with Seb was round and I was just like, okay, let's just 
try it to some of these things. And we referenced, um, uh, is it, it, do you say it was, it's Jim Lynch on, was it that? Yeah. Is it? Was, was it and, yeah. and then, oh, was it that that we, was it that that we went and then you played and you went, it sounds exactly the same. <laughs> was it that or was it something else? I don't know if that was me. I'm pretty sure it was you. You No, it was you. It, it, it wasn't necessarily that. Okay, that is a point of reference. There was something else. We were like, this is another point of reference. And we, oh, it's pointless if you can't think of it, isn't it? It's a but, similar vibe though. But, You're right, actually. Because the way, because I had Seb's sound in my, when I arranged it, I thought Seb's going to be playing the melody. Because um, I just wanted his approach um, to the melody. So there's a lot of, Seb, you could probably talk about this. There's a lot of little... It's, it's quite soulful, isn't it? The way you play it. There's a lot of little yeah. embellishments and things that aren't, aren't written in the part, but little scoops, little lip bends. There's loads of little things that you do that just kind of transform it. So it's quite, it's very vocal, isn't it? In style, the way you play yeah, it. Yeah, it is. And I, I've always, um, yeah, I've always tried to play it as soulful and try and really um, draw the audience in and play quite quietly, actually. I've always been influenced by... Ibrahim Malouf is the incredible trumpet player who yeah, he plays with a, he's got a fourth valve that puts everything down a quarter tone. So it's because he plays in like this Lebanese scale. Um, as I, I often like, there's a few notes I like to put into it when in, into the phrases that kind of just give it a slight weird edge, like a weird kind of something that's a bit, bit kind of exotic. But when we came to do it, I, I did start playing like that kind of quite quietly and, long and soulful but it just didn't quite work um, and we ended up playing a little bit louder and then I listened to the original of what she does and uh, the way I've been playing it for I've been playing it for like four years this tune all quite long but she actually has a lot of short notes but with words obviously um, I don't know what the words are but things like I always used to play but she goes it's much more kind of pointy so i did that which is a very different way to how how i've ever played it actually so i did actually play it in a in a yeah differently different sort of style really sounds very nice well done sebastian (laughs) well done it just didn't it didn't work for some reason playing it quite we just needed a bit more sound yeah but you still put on those little soulful little inflections and stuff like that you know um it's not you don't play it straight do you i I always like try to find those gaps between the notes Mm. and and try and make it sound as much like uh the human voice as possible and and listening to how she does it and trying to copy that even if it, it ends up not being as smooth as you would think, that's another example of doing that, just trying to make it sound as human. And I just love playing around, not thinking of the trumpet as a 12-note thing with the 12 chromatic notes, but actually there's all the bits in between that you can do. Uh, and even like the... Bah, 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 you know, you, that's not really a technique you're ever taught, is it? To play using the slides up there. You might use the slides low down for tuning, but I'm almost playing it like a trombone. Mm. I think the, the whole thing about like playing this live is that we don't have the option of uh, so many kind of techniques to help the track build and go in a new direction. So all we can really work with is start quite, get louder, <laughs> really, like really, and, and change our sound a bit throughout the tune. Um, and so that's why you've always done that. But with this, it was like the the like the world is our oyster in terms of effects, 
later in, in the tune and stuff. Like there's no need to like uh, play it really delicately and stuff. Like it's, it can start off strong, but quite bare in its, in its kind of arrangement. And it's going to get busier and wilder. So yeah, it's, it's going to go somewhere anyway. So it's fine. I'd never quite realized just how much of a, an all out trumpet tune it is. Like the trombones are just this powerhouse down below because there's so many parts going on. I've always thought of like all, all these parts are important, but like it's, that is bizarre, isn't it? That the chorus is literally, day, 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 day. I like, I'd always just thought something else was probably more important than that. So mm. that's what should be brought out and stuff. It's just, it's a trumpet fest. And I don't think we've, uh, we have any other piece like that that, is, uh, that gives such a sort of platform just to the trumpets. And the trombones are just chugging away the whole time as, <laughs> as like an end. Damn straight. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to see it again, actually. But uh, uh, <laughs> You're right, though, Barney. We turned it into even more of a trumpet fest. I mean, the original, after the drop, there's no melody, I don't think. I think it's just oohs and ahs. So you don't have the ba da ba da da ba da. So I added that, and then I just basically threw the whole kitchen sink at it, at it and then we added a uh, obligatory Dave Hopkin solo as well, <laughs> which sounds outrageous. Mm. Oh, good as always, it's amazing. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, yeah, finished on a super A. See you later. Thanks very much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> has he got solo at the end of both of these songs? Has yeah, and it, it sort of did in, sort of intrinsically link these tracks for me even more so. Um, yeah, the fact yeah. that he it did that, um, but it's and it wasn't the intention. It wasn't like if we were thinking of adding solos at this point, we go well, I only, only put it on one, only put it on two. It's, mm. it's too, makes it too much the same. But it's like they've both always had a Dave Hopkins solo at, at the end. I, that, that's that's how it came to be. But then yeah, we had to we did like a separate session just for his solos. He's very studious with it. Like he, he cares deeply about it being the way he wants it. And he turned up with pages and pages of ideas and manuscript and stuff. And um, all sorts of things to try, but also open to like, uh, you know, just suggestions and things like that. And wanting it to develop, to build and not just be, because like the American Boy one, for example, is, is really long. The Hideaway one's a bit shorter. But it's like you've got you can't just throw um everything at it immediately, you have to let it build and stuff. So he's so conscientious with it and he sounds it just sounds amazing. Like obviously, just it, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds amazing. Uh so we have just a little a little intersection here as we really wanted to bring Dave Hopkin on board, but the day that we were recording it, Dave actually had to do some blooming work. So we couldn't have him on. Uh but we thought we'd slot him in. We'd slot him in. We're going to talk to him about a couple of bits and bobs. Maybe it'd be a bit like Dave Hopkins trumpet solo corner. Yeah. So we've got you here. It's a hideaway. Yes. Um, How was it for you recording that? Because I think you did quite a lot to this, didn't you? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was was great recording it. I um, I did, as everyone did, went around to Barney's into his, um, his sweat box of a recording booth. I remember being in there for what felt like hours and uh yeah yeah i couldn't believe how hot it was in there i mean i don't know what i don't know what he's done to the place but i mean he's obviously you know boarded up and and sealed every little crevice and corner to not let any air in (laughs) but um yeah it's great recording around at barney's he he's uh yeah he's fantastic at at, uh, getting the best out of you and and yeah very quick as well so it was it was me. It was faffing about, really, not him. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I know. 
that's a bold statement as well. <laughs> Very bold. Yeah. Um, so did you, you, there's a solo at the end, isn't it? I think that you laid down. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. You did on both. I think this one and American Boy you've done solos on. Is that right? Yeah. I got, got to do a couple of, a uh, couple of solos at the end of these two tracks, which was, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, basically I just had free reign to do what I wanted really. And then, so basically I, um, I went around to Barney's to record the tracks and I think I was, I was the, one of the first trumpet players out of the five of us to record. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a bit weird, you know, trying to do the solos, not sitting on the rest of the trumpet section. Mm -hmm. So we decided to just do all the bits that weren't the solo sections that day. And then I went away and then came back about a week later once everyone else has had recorded and, and, uh, it was after that, which worked a lot better, it was a lot quicker, a lot better. And I had more of an idea of what I wanted to do. Cause it was more of a vibe with uh, all the rest of the lads on there. So, yeah. so yeah, I went over and, uh, yeah, basically Barney just said, yeah, just sort of think about what you want to do. Think about what sort of solo you want to play yeah. and, uh, we'll lay some stuff down. And, and do you have, do you have like a really good idea of what you want or sort of, I guess for recordings, it's different than a live show because you've probably got something, I guess you've got time to map something out and give it a try. Because obviously, like, yeah. for the listener at home, you're not just, when someone improvises, it's not just they make something up, they just sort of blind, you know, make something up that comes to them and then that's it. Sometimes people put a lot of thought into what they want to happen at certain points of their solo and stuff like that. So is that something that you're sort of the way you do it? Or are you literally just, I'm just going to see what falls out of the trumpet? Well, no, I mean, with with um, with a track for recording, what I did do for these two tracks was uh, Barney gave me a sort of a rough mix for me to listen to. And then I'd just mm. literally listen to it over and over and then just, try and sing a solo along to it and sing a few licks over it. And then I basically just wrote all these, you know, transcribed these passages, these licks and stuff down on a, on a piece of manuscript and then built a solo like that. So I had an idea of, you know, I wanted to start lower in the lower register, you know, start slow and, and low and then build it up and build it up to a peak and then finish on a high note, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone wants, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is that, finish is that a trumpet the... solo on a high note. Is that a good general rule? That start low and slow. Is that is that a good start? Way to do yeah, it? start start a slow pace build. Well, I think so. Yeah, don't don't blow your blow your load too soon. <laughs> basically, <laughs> is is my is my rule. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've all been alone. Uh, caught out there alone on that one, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and do you have anyone? Anyone sort of? Is there any um, any people who are your sort of? inspiration for your solos anyone that really stands out as like that's the person I really would like to sort of stand out like or do you have sort of so many different ones that you like to pull on at different times so many different ones really I mean it, ch it changes all the time yeah I'm, I'm I'm constantly um you know whenever you go on YouTube your algorithm brings up a new trumpet solo or trumpet player or whatever and um <laughs> it's all gets stuck in a wormhole <laughs> of uh yeah, trumpet solos at three in the morning. But um, yeah, I I take influences from literally anyone and everyone I listen to. Interestingly, you mentioned it in this particular solo. I took a lot of influence from uh, an American trumpet player called Adam Rapper. I don't know if you guys have come across him before, but yeah, he's basically this like just incredible musician, trumpet player, jazz trumpet player living in the states. And yeah, I've just been listening to a few of his YouTube videos and his. Um, not necessarily soloing, but just demonstrating, um, just basically trying out, you know, having a blow on a on an instrument or whatever. And he's just, just some of the stuff that comes out the trumpet when he plays is just 
incredible. So I uh, took a few of his, uh, a couple of his licks for the hideaway solo. Um, and also, I also had a lot of other material, extra material that I brought to the, the session with Barney, mm-hmm. which, you know, got rubbed out. So it's, <laughs> okay. yeah, it's, it's like, right. <laughs> you know, so because it's a dance track as well, you don't want to overcomplicate things and, yeah. and simpler is better sometimes. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Barney helped to influence the solo as well as um, Adam Rapper. <laughs> Do you have to do a lot of high stuff on this one? First note, that's blooming high, isn't it? Yeah, I played a high note at the start and a high note at the finish. And <laughs> in between, I think, um, I think, I don't think I played much else that was high. I think Freddie did the <laughs> highest stuff in between. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I played yeah. two high notes <laughs> right at the start and the finish. <laughs> that's it, job done. I want a yeah. solo. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But no, I really enjoyed the doing the track and the, and it sounds yeah fantastic with all the effects that Barney's put on it and yeah, it's got a really good vibe to it. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Mm. Very very cool. I must very say cool. in particular, I really enjoyed your playing on it, Seb, because oh, I just think your vibe yeah, your vibe on that is just yeah, brilliant. Just loved it. Oh, thanks, man. Really great. You made it sound more like a like a singer would phrase it rather than a trumpet player as well in, in places that and that's that yeah, really brought out a great style to the track. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. Very good. Well done. Well done. Well done, you two trumpeters. Yeah. And you were very, very good too, Chris. You were very good too, Oh, yeah, Chris. Chris you were good. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, could you just sing, like, for, for the listener, like, what is your part? <laughs> My part in that? It's, yeah. it's doing, a lot of it's doing the Ooh. riff. And it's getting to the session and realizing that you have to play it correctly rather than what you've probably just got into the groove for. I know it live about a hundred times. Yeah, well, the first thing I played with Barney was that yeah, the repeated C, like the siren thing, like ba 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 ba, and 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 I started recording it, and Barney said, "You're playing that wrong." I was like, "What?" Playing that wrong for two years. I knew it. So, I was always, yeah, always telling her, you find it wrong, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you were the only one playing it right, Seb, I think. I, well, the, well yeah. hopefully Seabass, actually, because he arranged it. So. Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think because it's... Uh, ba, 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 ba. Isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The way it's written on the page, is, I think a lot of people played it. Ba, 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 which probably that's what is, you normally do, isn't it? It's probably more the phrase you hear in dance music. That's probably what we're yeah. used to hearing. Mm. Um, so yeah, you just ever. I think there probably for a few people there are quite a lot of adjustments, slight adjustments that <laughs> yeah. made. Just like oh yeah, okay. yeah, I think, I think we all did like that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So I've got that, mm-hmm. and then at the end I've got like I get the tune, and there's two little tunes at the end that sort of flit in and out. I get to play them very loudly, um, which is nice. It's a good one. Good one, nice. It is a good one. Big time. Do you usually do a solo at the end of the track live, Dave? Um, no. Well, basically, um, once it all kicks back in, we or we always used to just introduce little solo licks and you know just just blow over the top of it at the end. But nothing official was written in. But hopefully that will stay in there now. But Seabass um, C- was very adamant that he didn't want more than you know six bars or whatever. I think we were. We were soloing over about thirty-two bars or something at the end, <laughs> so it's a bit of a bit of overkill there. But yeah, but yeah. So yeah, so now it's just, I guess we've re- refined it to six bars now. 
Nice. Nice. And what a great six bars they are. What lovely six bars. <laughs> lovely six bars, yeah. Thanks, Dave. Lovely to see you. Uh, here's, here we are going back into the show. I don't think we could have thrown much else at the end of Hideaway to make it even wilder. Maybe just us screaming on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's pretty mad, isn't it? Five or yeah. six different lines of brass, uh, a trumpet solo, horns, whistles, huge not collapse, collapse. <laughs> Did you add a herniator to this track? <laughs> yeah. That's what you should call me from now on. Forget Seabass. Call me the herni- herniator. Herniator. <laughs> herniator. <laughs> Who's on trumpets tonight, lads? Oh, we've got a bloody herniator, haven't we, eh? Herniator. Here you go, He only plays from middle G downwards because he can't overexert yeah. himself. <laughs> <laughs> this track induces hernias. Be careful. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to episode number 10 of our podcast. Uh, remember to subscribe, like our, like our podcast. And up next will be the final recording we've done of 2020, American Boy, arranged by Barney Philpot, produced by Barney Philpot, mixed by Barney Philpot. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>